Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. All right, that's, that's the text. That's the text. Let me read it again. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. As you're taking your seats, help me introduce the title for today's sermon. Everyone say, Behold the Signs. Amen. You may take your seats. Behold the Signs. I believe um, that we are just in a, a, a time, an era, where so many things are pulling for our attention. Companies invest large amounts of money to figure out our information so that we can be attracted to certain things, to best advertise to us, to best tell us what we should get or the things that we need to have. And it's not just there, it is also possibilities for education or for furthering one's career, for how we wanna develop our families. There is so much vying for our attention. And it's not just things that may uh, initially want us to purchase or commodify anything. There are also ways by which they want to change and shift the way we think. News constantly communicating the woes of the world, the concerns that we should be elevating or the ones that we should not be. Constantly pulling for our attention. Wars happening here. Problems are happening here. Drought is happening here. Devastation is happening here. In fact, it is working so hard for your attention that now there's the consideration of continuous hyperbole because we're so good at not paying attention to the things that don't matter to us. Now we work even harder to elevate even wordings to almost toe the line of being untruthful just to get your attention. And I know some of you, you know this, right? You'll get pulled in. It happens to me often. I'm reading a story and they tell me somebody just got into a fight. And I'm like, no, they ain't get into a fight. And then you actually read and what they meant by fight was they said, I didn't like that. You're like, hey, wait a minute. I know what fights are. Uh, that wasn't one of them, right? Because always vying for our attention, trying to tell us what we ought to be looking at, what should be important to us, and if we're not careful. All of these things, pulling for attention, may actually take attention away from the things we should be saying. Behold the sign. In Hebrew, there's this word that shows up and it is translated a variety of different ways. From look, or now, or here, or there, and often behold. It is the writer trying to bring attention to something that is important. That out of all the other words that the writer may say, they want to make sure that we don't miss these. And the same word shows up in our text today. 
as Isaiah is communicating now to King Ahaz. And the writer is there. They have this word show up. And in our text, the translation we have, it shows up as see. Other versions will say, look. And then there are some that may even say, behold. Let me grab your attention. Something is getting ready to happen, and I don't want you to miss it. Now, before I jump headlong into this particular text, it seems only right to give you context. Because I know that we hear this and automatically we see the manger. We hear the angelic voices talking to Mary. This takes us to a very specific place. And there's a reason that we get there. But there's more going on here that we should investigate. That when Isaiah is communicating, it is not just about the child to come, but there is an immediate issue and need. Some of you uh, biblical scholars out there know that Israel, as a group of people, as the followers of God, go through a variety of different iterations in how they interact with God. Meaning that there are times where they are faithful and they are following the mandates and there are times where they're not as faithful. There are times where they are getting along with each other and there are times where they're not getting along with each other. There are times where they're warring with those on the outside and then there are times where they're warring with those on the inside. Israel is just like us. The children of Israel, this following group that God has identified as a special and peculiar group of people is sought out and, and seen differently, yet as amazing, as special, as much as God desires to use them in an amazing way, they are no different than us. And it's not lost on me that as we think about the Messiah, we're in preparation for Christmas, that we still must also wrestle with war happening in Israel today. I dare not say right or wrong or what I think. That's not the point of this message, although I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> but it's not lost on me that this conflict keeps arising. And in this particular text, this communication, this prophecy is given to King Ahaz, who is the king over Judah. And Judah has a capital, Jerusalem. This is a very small group. They have broken and, and they're in fight now with their brothers and sisters, Israel or Ephraim, who has its capital in Samaria. And there's this big war that's happening. And what Ahaz is concerned about is that he hears the rumbling that those to whom he would call brother have aligned with the outside force and they're coming to sack Jerusalem. They're coming to take what is his. They're coming now to fight against him and not like kind of war, not like somebody is texting me or somebody said something bad about me online. There are troops assembling at the gates. And Israel is bigger. And their partnerships are concerning. And Ahaz now is struggling with what to do. This is all chapter 7. Isaiah comes to, to Ahaz and he tells him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. 
This is what the God of, of your ancestors, the God of David, has promised you. That you ain't got to worry about a thing. See, I think y'all think I'm making this up. So I want you to know that this is what the scriptures say. If you go back to uh, Isaiah 7, verse 7, I'm going to read it for us. It says, this is what the Lord God says. It will not happen. It will not occur. The chief city of Aram in Damascus, uh, the chief of Damascus is resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to will be too shattered to be a people. Ephraim is the same word translated Israel. The chief city of Ephraim is Samaria, and the chief of Samaria is the sum of Romilia. If you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. God comes with everything going wrong, with all the worries that one could hold, and speaks a promise to the king of Jerusalem. Speaks a promise that I know what they're saying. I know what they're plotting. I know what is getting ready to come your way. And not only am I telling you it won't work, I'm telling you, it won't happen. I wish I had some more people that can hear this. I love how God talks to one individual, but as we listen in on God talking to one person, we can hear the way in which God may be talking to us. He says, I know the plans that are for ill for you. I know what is working against you. I know what is standing at the gates. I know how de desolate it looks. I know how bad it looks. I know that you can't see your way through, but I want to tell you not only... Do you not have to worry about it not working? I'm going to make sure you ain't even got to fight it. God, maybe, maybe this is just more for me, but I've, I've been in so many fights. I, I've had to work so hard that every now and then I just look forward to the time when I don't have to lift a hand. I don't have to do a thing, but my God will go out before me. The enemies I didn't even know were there. God crushes them under his feet. All I got to do is stand on what God has told me. I wish I had a couple more people that knew what it was like when God shows up. prophet goes to King Ahaz with a promise signed by God. You ain't got to worry about a thing. Now, in our privileged position, we could easily look back at Ahaz and be like, dude, you should be living high off the hall. You should not have to worry about a thing. But maybe the truth is we're far more like Ahaz than Isaiah. Because maybe he too was questioning, how do I know this is God? I can see the armies outside, but I can't see the words that you're saying to me. I can see the evidences of war coming but I can't see the proof of the promise that you've just given me. And so, are you asking me 
to suspend all of the stuff that I can rightly see right now and believe something that ain't even showed up and live my life based upon some fictitious story that you just told me or should I act in my own faculties to what is right in front of me? Surely you're not asking me to trust your word while I watch their deeds. King Ahaz is looking, and many scholars would connect this. We kind of run parallel tracks with 2 Kings chapter 16, because I was always blown away at the response. So God comes and gives Ahaz a promise. And then, verse 10, then it reads, Then the Lord spoke again, ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz replied, I will not ask, I will not test the Lord. What's happening? Like, Second King says that not only did Ahaz get worried, get scared, but he panicked. He panicked so much that when he saw the armies around him, he reached out to another adversary to partner with him to fight the battle. And it wasn't just a partnership. He knew that he was going to lose so much. He was willing now to be subservient to an enemy of God believing that the enemy of God would protect him from his brothers and other enemies. God was watching his actions, and so what we get a chance to see right here is Isaiah showing the truth that you've tried to shroud your lack of faith with mistaken spirituality. Religiosity that you put around it when the truth is you don't really believe. You are a practicing atheist. You show up to church and you don't really believe the faith that you're supposed to have. You cover it up with all the good looking stuff. You say all the right things, but when God requires faith out of you, you panic. You, you go then and you start connecting yourself with things you should never be connected with. You start trusting stuff you should never trust. You start falling subservient to things that are below and or adverse to God. And God is saying, why won't you trust me? What does it mean when we're more willing to trust a known enemy? to trust the one that we know wants to see our demise over God. And I'm not just pointing the finger out there. I'm asking the question to myself. How many times has God given promise 
and I've been too scared to follow. And just like Ahaz, we panic. We start calling in favors. We start making excuses for why this is allowable. Why it's okay for us not to trust God. Can I tell you, if you desire the gifts of God, they only come via faith. There is no other way. There's no sidestepping it. There's no walking around it. It is only via faith. This is why the later scripture writers would say anything that is not done of faith is sin. That automatically faith orients us in the direction of God and anything outside of faith orients us away from God that sometimes God has to put us in position for faith to develop. And then God began to remind me How many times have you asked me for a miracle? How many times have you asked me to show up and show out? How many times have you said, I want to see the manifest glory of God? So you want me to show up, but you don't want to need me to show up. You want to be comfortable when I show up, but you don't really want to see my power because if you really wanted to see my power, it would cause you to be in a position where you would need my power to show up. You would need to be desolate. You would need to be in trouble. You would need to need healing. You would need me to regulate your mind. You would need the finances to be drying up. You would need the river to be running dry. You would need folks walking out on you. You would need the eviction notice coming. You would need me to show But you don't want a miracle. You just want more materials. Because the miracle causes faith. You got to look at people and your advisors and they might not understand. This is a king. You know all of his advisors are, look outside, sir. They are here. Your best military advisor is going to say, it is not a good idea for you just to bury your head in the sand. It is not kingly for you not to lead your people and make sure you take care of them. You are missing the boat. And if you sit like this, I'm not going to vote for you next time. Ahaz panics. Panics just like many of us and begins to put his hand to the thing that God said he would already do. I want you to hear that again. Ahaz began to put his hands to the work God had already promised to do. And I love it, man. This is where I feel our religiosity gets us at times because we really don't know what faith looks like. I want to be very clear. There is no easy formula for what faith and action will look like in every single circumstance. Everyone is different. And there are moments where God says, stand and be still and do nothing. And then there are times where it's evidenced by the work that you're already willing to do, the effort of showing up. You have to actually go back to God. In fact, God made it so. 
that no one individual by themselves could know exactly what to do in every single situation because that would actually ex God out of our necessity. God has made sure that we have a necessity of dependence upon God so that we can get everything that we would need. He goes, says, I got a promise for you. But Ahaz panics, calls in the favors, and then watch what God says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and the name will be Emmanuel. We had a promise. We had Ahaz panic. And now God is about to give proof. He's about to show a sign. And I was amazed when I read this. Because in my heart, I'm wondering, shouldn't the sign be positive? Yet, if you continue to read, God pronounces judgment upon Ahaz and all of his leadership and prepares to replace him. He's replacing him with Emmanuel. Now, just a bit of biblical history there is the belief amongst the majority of scholars that when Isaiah is writing and he talks about Emmanuel, they're talking about a lived person in reality in their time frame. Most scholars believe that this points to Ahaz's son, Hezekiah. That Hezekiah is the polar opposite of Ahaz. And the way in which he leads Israel leads them back to God. And he shows faith at every single moment. In fact, if you look at their stories, I believe his starts around 36 or 37, you almost see this amazing parallel by how different they are. That he is the representation for that moment of what Emmanuel was. But not only that, that God has a way of taking something that is happening in history to talk about things that are moving even beyond history that God uses an actual sign in lived reality to give us a breadcrumb of what is coming in eternity. That this Emmanuel is not just this person, but this Emmanuel is even greater than what this individual could do, but is placed into this individual that we might see the sign when it actually comes. That we might be able to behold the manifest glory of God. That God's promise, watch this, his promise and his sign are now connected to a person. <sighs> I've struggled recently as I'm doing my dissertation work. One of the things I'm uh, looking to study is the plan and the effects of technology, more specifically artificial intelligence upon preaching. Right? That's, 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 that's my direction currently. And as I've been researching more about artificial technology and technology more broadly, I'm amazed now at how the lines are blurring more and more for what we would consider to be personhood or a person and what is not. How do we define sentience? 
How do we understand what is real and not real? These lines are becoming amazingly blurred, so much so that it's hard now to even talk about what makes a person a person. And I, I struggle with this. I struggle with this because God made sure that God's promise via Ahaz was a sign, was embodiment. And the reason why I have such challenge is because the more I see technology moving, the more disembodiment I see. I know you may not want to follow me, just, but just hear this idea. I promise, I believe God is telling us something. This is not that technology at all is bad, but this is we have to be concerned with how we approach technology. That if technology is constantly pulling us out of the things that actually make us who we are, then we ought to be cautious about how we appropriate it. It should be weird and odd that we are better able to talk to somebody via, via a device in our hand than we are to the face in our face. It should be weird to us that we're more comfortable being in a back room on a laptop than being in a front room having conversation. It should be weird to us that the only way we can appropriate right relationship is that we need an algorithm to tell us the best people that match to us because we don't trust our own decisions about who should match with us, but we trust an algorithm to tell us that this person aligns with the things that we like well enough that we will let a computer tell me who I should marry. And I don't think that there's terrible things about us going online and dating, but we got to get to the point where how is it that we trust this computer so much? We don't know who made it. We don't even know all the data points that it's using. And we trust its determination. And we'll, we'll go on online dates forever and then feel awkward when we're actually out in person together. And you've seen this. We will go out to eat and everybody will be talking to people that ain't there and not talking to the people there. I say this because I believe that part of God's design for us was our need for each other. Even Ahaz needed someone to come and help arbitrate God's voice to him. And then God, out of all the signs God could use, God chooses to use the sign of embodiment of a person. And not just a person, a child. Man, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be king and told the thing that I'm waiting on is a baby. You got all your military might, you got all these amazingly intelligent folks. I wanna do away with your worldly intelligence and tell you to depend on something that you don't even know and has no idea of itself. Because it's embodiment. This is the promise. And that should be the promise for all of us too. That our children these following generations are God's promise. Promise to transform and move, amen. We should be all right with that. 
but I want you to clap too when the baby yells out in the middle of service because we recognize as promise. Amen. I want us to be just as happy when I ask you to help serve in our children's ministry because we recognize it's promise. I want you also to be just as happy as we continue to blow life into them because we're watching God transform generations through what our children have been and are becoming. We see God point, point to a child being born. Now, there's back and forth, there's, there's movement back and forth between if the word is intentionally meant to be virgin or just a young woman. Of course, Christian tradition interprets it virgin, right? That this will be the sign, it is something special. But even if it's just young woman, just follow me. How amazing it would be if it didn't take a miraculous birth for God to give us a sign. But even in the mundane, normal, regular birth, God will give us signs that we should see. Yes. Now, last point, and I promise I'm done. The idea about this proof now, this is what grabbed me the most. For those who stand in faith, the sign is good news. But the same sign, for those who don't stand in faith, is the communication of your demise. God asked him for a sign, and it is my utter conviction that he didn't want God to give a sign because he didn't want to trust in God. He didn't want to have something to append his faith to because he had already chosen that God ain't going to be the way that he was going to move. So then, when God continues to give a sign, it is to point out the fact that you didn't have faith. And now I'm still going to do what I said. However, now it's not going to be the glory that it could have been for you. It's going to be terrible. It's going to feel horrible. And you're going to wish that you had stood when I asked you to stand. In fact, the prophet told him earlier, either stand in faith or don't stand at all. And I wish I had a few more people that were willing to see the signs where God God is asking, will you stand in faith or will you not stand at all? I need some folks that are willing to trust God and say, God, if you say yes, God, if you send me, God, if you tell me, I'm willing to go because I can trust my God will do what my God has said. He's done it before. He'll do it again over and over and over. My God will do it. And this is how God will do it. Not just with any child, but a child that now lets us know that God is not just with him, but that God is with us. He said, we need a new type of leadership. We've had too many leaders that thought God could only be with them. And then they walk away from God, leading the people away. But we're setting up new leadership, that that leadership is going to make sure that the people know that God is not just with me, but God is with us. 
And if God is with us, then wherever you go, wherever I go, wherever we go, our God is right there with us. Therefore, we can glory when God tells us that the, the child is on his way. And this is how we ought to recognize him. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For unto us a child will be born, a son will be given, the government shall be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. I know you're worried about war right now, but I got a peace that's on his way that will make sure you ain't got to worry about that war no more. He will be your wise counselor. He will be your mighty God, your eternal Father. But the question is, is how will you see the sign? Will this sign be a gift for the promise? Will this sign produce your demise? Pray with me.